The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is tuesday march 28th 2023 and it is indeed a heck of a morning we are live a little bit earlier on the mma fighting twitter spaces you can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the mma fighting podcasting network i am mike Cat. hope everyone had a great weekend hope everybody's having a great start to their week obviously a lot going on in the world of mixed martial arts we're rolling a little bit earlier because a lot of you have, you know, some of the things that I do for MMA fighting include doing these long features and the audio mini doc podcasts. And yesterday, one idea just kind of fell on my lap and everything sort of came together very, very quickly. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time today putting that all together and trying to figure out the pieces and once it drops and is ready, you're going to understand what, why we're doing this, because uh, I think it's an important topic and an important conversation, and something that, unlike most of the MMA news cycle, should not just go away and, and just die and just disappear, uh, because we can't create change if we just let things fade into the into the atmosphere without any sort of response or anything like that. So that's what I'm going to be working on today. That's why we're starting a little bit early. Obviously, UFC San Antonio happened this past Saturday. Massive win for Corey Sanhagen. Dominates Marlon Vera. I know some people probably, you know, those who didn't watch the fight, jump on Tapology and you see split decision or you go to MMA fighting and you see split decision. You're like, 
oh, that was a really close fight. No, this was not a close fight. This was the Corey Sandhagen show. Marlon Vera just had nothing for him. That one judge who scored it, 48-47 for Marlon Vera, should never be allowed to judge a fight again. That is one of the all-time bad scorecards. You can make... It's so weird. You could actually make a better case for 50-45 Danny Sabatello over Rafian Stotts than you could 48-47 Marlon Vera. That's how bad, in my eyes, that scorecard was. It was horrible. Now, if you want to give Marlon round three like Chris Lee did, I ain't going to be mad at you. Probably don't agree with you, but if you're going to give Marlon any round, maybe you give him the third, but that's it. Everything else was, was Corey Sanhagen, and that was the cap of many head-scratching judges' scorecards, and just the capper of many head-scratching moments for the Texas Department of Licenses and Regulation, because the Texas Commission, holy shitballs, that is just the worst. They are horrible. From... Referee Frank Colazzo, what happened at Fury FC and that whole thing to Frank being allowed to judge fights for the UFC the following day after all that happened, like nothing transpired the day before where he allowed a fighter to be choked unconscious, stares directly into the fighter's dead, cold eyes and says, okay, this fight can continue. And then they transition to the armbar, which woke the fighter up and suffered a bunch of gnarly injuries. And then it's like, all right, no problem. You had a bad night. Why don't you go judge some fights instead? And he had some head-scratching scorecards on Saturday as well, and he ain't alone on that. But the story is Corey Sandhagen, great win for him. Gets it done and calls out Marab really, which I love. Love that call out. You're not going to hear many fighters, at least realistically, call out Marab, and Corey did it. He's doubling down on it, as he did on the MAR yesterday. I love it. How can you not love Corey Sanhagen? What a performance. What a call-out. Sticking with it. Doesn't want to take the easy road to a title shot. He wants all the smoke. And as you've probably seen, and as I said on on to the next one, Corey Sanhagen did Marab Duwalsh really a favor, more than likely. Because as you saw... Umar Damagomedov came out and said that they offered him a fight with Marab, May 13th, possible main event. As we confirmed, our own Damon Martin, there is truth to that. There is smoke to that. But Marab is obviously a little banged up. The, the man literally just fought not long ago, a couple of weeks ago. So Marab's not going to take that fight, at least for May 13th. Maybe they'll try to rebook that, but I think the Corey Sandhagen fight is much more compelling at this point and... Hopefully that's the direction they go. Marab should send Corey Sandhagen a birthday card or a flag day card or a Christmas card or something because that's obviously a better opportunity for Marab than fighting Umar Namagamadov going all the way back in the rankings. A much higher risk, lower reward fight in my opinion. Uh, so I think Corey did him a favor. Good stuff. Great win for Nate Landwehr. Solid performance for Holly Holm, a very Holly Holm-esque kind of performance. UFC San Antonio was a card. It's not what we're going to go back and watch again. It's not going to be anywhere near the top of the 
fights, fight cards of the year conversation. It's one that will turn the page on very quickly. But one of the things that I've seen that came out of Saturday was big Hall of Fame announcements. We already found out that Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva, Jens Pulver going into the UFC Hall of Fame. Now Donald Cerrone is going into the UFC Hall of Fame. And we talked about this on the post-fight show. This was a no-brainer. This was an absolute no-brainer. And it has since led to a bunch of debates, some headlines. Jonathan Snowden wrote an article that people got all fired up about. But I don't, like, I read a lot of the article. I didn't read it all. Uh, The headline probably threw some people off. There's, There's a difference between promotional Hall of Fame and, like, MMA Hall of Fame. There's a difference between the two. There is no independent body that has its own Hall of Fame, at least not one that is recognized. And if you're going to do... Some people took that headline the wrong way, that Cerrone is not a a UFC Hall of Famer, that his resume doesn't merit what a UFC Hall of Fame is. John Cerrone is a UFC Hall of Famer, 100%. That's like saying... I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to think of like specific examples of this, but that's like a really good Red Sox player. That's like if that's like if the UFC, if the, the Boston Red Sox wanted to put Kevin Millar in the Red Sox Hall of Fame because of what he did to help the Red Sox win that first World Series after you know breaking the curse. If you wanted to put Kevin Millar in the Red Sox Hall of Fame, like no one's going to complain about that. But Kevin Millar is not going to be. In Cooperstown, you're not going to see Kevin Millar's jersey in Cooperstown. He's not going to be up there making a Hall of Fame acceptance speech. But could you see him potentially making a Red Sox Hall of Fame speech? Sure. He meant a lot to the organization. Jason Veritek meant a lot to the Red Sox organization. Will probably get his number retired at Fenway Park. But he's not going to Cooperstown. He's not going to Cooperstown. But he is a integral part of the Red Sox history, which is why, and that, and that's what this is. Donald Cerrone is, is a very important piece to the UFC's history. You need to have guys like Donald Cerrone in your promotion to sell cards, to get people excited about fights, to just be there to take opportunities sometimes on like a week's notice after you fought the week before. Cerrone is a very important piece to this puzzle. He's a very important piece to this company's history. And not just like inside the octagon, but the WEC days and some of the battles he had in WEC. His first, the first fight he had with Benson Henderson is one of the all, is, is a top 10 great fight of all time. It is a fight that aged incredibly well. It was MMA fighting's fight of the year in 2009. Don Cerrone is an important piece of the UFC's history. Now, if, they, if someone comes forward and does an all-time MMA Hall of Fame, is Donald Cerrone like a mixed martial arts Hall of Famer? Probably not. But is he a UFC Hall of Famer? Yes. Yes. His role was very important for the company. You needed to have a Donald Cerrone in, in your company. It's great. He was perfect for the organization. He meant so much to them. So when people say like, oh, is Donald Cerrone a Hall of Famer? I think almost everybody, 
unanimously would say Donald Cerrone is a UFC Hall of Famer. But is he like one of the top 50 greatest fighters that ever fought inside of a cage? Probably not. And that's okay. He meant so much to the UFC. So I have no issue with him being a UFC Hall of Famer. I don't think anybody does. And some people took headlines the wrong way. But that's, I mean, that's the UFC Hall of Fame. If you mean something to the promotion, if you're good to work with, if the fans liked you, you're probably getting in. Now, are there lots of fighters that should be in the UFC Hall of Fame that shouldn't be? Should Frank Shamrock be in the freaking UFC Hall of Fame? Of course he should. But we have to remember to not take this stuff too seriously because this is like a two- or three-person panel here. Dana was going to put Donald in right away. Do I wish they waited a year for this? Yeah, I kind of do. Sometimes you have to let things simmer a little bit. Like, I understand Jose Aldo getting in is kind of a first ballot thing, but Jose Aldo is the greatest featherweight of all time. He's one of the all-time great fighters. A lot of people say he's a top five to top ten best fighters in the history of the sport. Habib, DC, they got in pretty quickly. You already got Anderson and Jens, who's Jen should have been in for like five or six years at this point, maybe longer. And Cerrone gets the first ballot. I have no issue with it. There's a part of me that wishes we let it simmer for a year or two before he got in, but I ain't going to complain about this. Cerrone was such an important piece to this puzzle, and he's in, and he deserves to be in. And his post-announcement scrum was very Cerrone-esque. Doesn't miss fighting. Said he's on a bunch of steroids, which, I mean, Cerrone looks like a freaking light heavyweight right now. He's probably put on like 30 pounds of muscle. But he's just such an important piece to this puzzle for the, for the UFC. So no issue with it. It's a no-brainer for the UFC, and that is a deep-as-hell Hall of Fame class. That's for damn sure. All right, let's go to you guys. See what is on your mind. Abzualia, kick us off. What's up, man? Hi. Um, so uh, my first question is, is it true that uh, UFC is uh, looking to make the Hamzat and Paul Acosta fight possible in July? And uh, another thing I want to address regarding the UFC Hall of Fame, how do you think it fares in contrast to other sports like NHL, NBA, or NFL? Like, Do you think that the UFC handles honoring their, like, greatest fighters very well or they have a like certain criteria that as long as you have have many good fights you can make it in let me know your thoughts on that um so hamza versus paulo i i've heard nothing i've reached out to people about it um as ariel talked about on the ma hour yesterday uh paulo has not re-signed officially yet the ink is not dried on this uh not quite i believe was the quote that Paulo gave Ariel, at least that's what he said on the MAR, and that's kind of where we're at right now. They seem to be in a good place. Things are heading in the right direction, and you would have to think that Hamza would be would be one of the favorites for him to fight. I, I mean, that's probably the fight to make, if we're being honest. You could do Costa versus Strickland. There's some heat there between both of those guys, but I think Costa versus Hamza would be gigantic. I mean, that's just a, a great addition to throw that on international fight week. It's a hell of a fight right there. So, uh, nothing really to report on that end, at least from what I've been told, but 
Wouldn't surprise me if it happened. I'll, I'll go that route. As far as the UFC Hall of Fame comparing it to other sports, you can't. You can't compare it to other sports because this is a – this is like – the UFC is like a team. They're a team. They're not a league. Like they're not – like MMA is the sport – and like that would be like an MMA Hall of Fame would be similar to an NHL Hall of Fame or an NFL Hall of Fame or a Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. The UFC Hall of Fame is like an individual's team Hall of Fame. It's like the Bruins Hall of Fame. It's if you want to make a better comparison, the UFC Hall of Fame is like the WWE Hall of Fame. That's like the best way to put it. That's why that's like the best way to go about it because there are certain certain wrestlers that never competed in the WWE. Some got into the Hall of Fame, some didn't because they have no relationship with the promotion or with the company at all. But if you're an important figure to WWE, there's a difference between like the WWE Hall of Fame and the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. There is a Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, I do believe, and the WWE Hall of Fame is completely different. It's what, what it meant to that singular promotion. And that's what the UFC Hall of Fame is. Now, is there like this great big board and a, is there a board of directors for the UFC Hall of Fame? No, it's probably one guy who makes those decisions. Uh, and it's Dana White. And you're the damn president of the company and you should be in that position. Like if you have that position, you can put in whoever you want. But this is probably more, WWE Hall of Fame is probably the best comparison over the NFL or NHL or NBA and stuff like that. No, the UFC is, is an organization within a sport much like the NHL, NFL, et cetera. But the UFC, it's, it's different. It's different. It's not the same. The size of the sports are different. The popularity of the sports are, I mean, night and day. All those other sports are 100 times bigger than the UFC right now and the sport of mixed martial arts. So, yeah, WWE, major sports franchises like the Cowboys, the Patriots, Red Sox, et cetera. That's how I would equate it. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down, and new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate 
in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Four Quarter Sports. Hello. All right, Mike, I have two things. One, regarding with uh, Cheeto Vera versus uh, Corey Sanhagen. Now, coming into the fight, I know this is mixed martial arts. I was expecting it to be a very high-paced type of a fight. But I do feel that what's it called, um, Corey Sanhagen had the proper game plan that Cheeto Vera did not really have, I guess, much time to pre- prepare because I don't think he was actually expecting Corey to shoot for takedowns and to all-time his rhythm like that. What I, what I did find frustrating was the lag of output that Cheeto was actually trying to, you know, implode because I think that will he get a, a title shot at some point down the line? Yes, but I just think that the fact that he really takes his sweet time in, the, in a five-round fight, especially the first two rounds he'll give him away, and I believe that the outcomes that he ended up having with Rob Fon, with Dominic Cruz, with Frankie Edgar, I think he's starting to fall in love with just relying on that power. And I think that's really, really bad just because look what happened this time. Now, yes, he felt like he probably, you know, he had all the momentum and he now he has to, you know, rework himself. Maybe not a long rework, but it's probably going to take him maybe like two fights, maybe three fights to get himself back to where he wanted to be, which is a title shot. Feel like the UFC was, you know, they had a layup right there. They could have had um, Cheeto versus um, Sean O'Malley. Now that fight, you know, is going to get pushed down the can just because of the fact that Cheeto losing. So I wanted to ask you: Did the UFC feel? Could the UFC um, had have pushed this fight between Cheeto and uh, Sean O'Malley and just make that at one point instead of just making Corey Sanhagen? And do you think that? Cheeto, with the way that he has his fights, you know, just giving low output, being such a slow starter, you think that's going to heavily impact him, you know, with him being in such a deep um, bandweight division. Now, I remember I sent AK um, a an Otno um, pick, and I had put down um, Cheeto Vera versus Piotr Jan. I feel like they should make that fight because I feel like that's the fight that, that they should make next uh, for International Fight Week. That would be a great, you know, slot in. And lastly, um, what is there any truth to the UFC returning back to the UK in uh, July? I heard July 22nd. I heard Bisping talk about it on his YouTube channel. I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. But, uh, all right, just want to know that. Thanks, Mike. So with the UK, like I had heard July was something they were looking at. I didn't hear a, spe- a specific date or anything like that, but I don't know. Bisbing said some things that haven't been true before. Uh, not saying, I mean, look, he's not a journalist or anything like that. He is a, he's just saying stuff. 
Um, so he, he maybe he has knowledge to this. I don't know. Uh, I had heard July is kind of what they were targeting, so it wouldn't surprise me if July 22nd is the date. As far as Cheeto goes, d- you know, did they make a mistake not booking the O'Malley fight? Depends on who you ask. That fight is always going to be there. That is a back pocket fight. I've been saying that for a while. It's a back pocket fight. Sean O'Malley is getting the next title shot. Sean O'Malley beating Piotr Jan. He's fighting the winner of Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. And if Aljo decides to go up to 145, if he beats Cejudo, they would. They all hoped that if you're gonna, you could take that fight out of the back pocket to do a vacant title fight, which would have been absolutely gigantic. I would not pick Sean O'Malley to beat either Aljamain Sterling or Henry Cejudo. So. Sean's going to get his title fight. He's probably going to lose. And then you can go to that fight whenever you want. That's always going to be a draw. It's always going to be there. It doesn't matter. That Another three years can pass, and that fight still has merit. So there's no need to rush it. I know everybody wants to see it. I get it. If they do Vera versus John, cool. If they do Vera versus Umar, cool. If they do Vera versus anybody, that's fine. They could do Yanez versus Vera if, if Yanez beats Rob Font. Like, that's that's a fun fight. And then regardless of what happens, you, if O'Malley doesn't win the belt, you can go back to that fight. And if O'Malley somehow wins the belt, look, this is the UFC. We're, we're in a world where Colby Covington's about to get a title fight. We're in a world where Jorge Mazadal is in play to get a title fight, to make the biggest fight possible. If Sean O'Malley finds his way to winning that title, Vera just needs to be competitive in a fight and he'll get a title shot. This is the UFC. So that fight is always going to be in the back pocket to be used whenever. So they're good there. And if they do Vera versus John, cool. I'm down for that. Mikey, hello. Um, I think that's the beautiful thing about the whole thing is that everything you just said was right on the money, but I still, but there's still, I feel room to debate the polarizing stuff because like, even within the construct of the UFC Hall of Fame, I would still personally, even though I, I'm perfectly fine with Soroni getting in, I still don't think he should because I think other than, cause there's the 10, there's the tangible stats that we see, like, you know, most wins in UFC history and stuff like that. And then there's the stuff that they tack on that I feel is like so ancillary and made up like the most like post post fight bonuses and stuff that, that personally that always bugs me because it's like you're basically turning what you should be doing, which is paying your fighters into like a stat like, oh, look how many times we paid this guy, which he should have been paid, you know, but that's another uh, <laughs> conversation. Um, <clears throat> and two, like, as you just said. There's this thin line between is the UFC just are UFC Hall of Fame inductations like a employee of the month award or is it simultaneously acknowledging the history of the sport? And I think it entirely depends until until that's been until that's clearly defined. It's a combination of like well, it's like just what you mentioned with the WWE Hall of Fame. Great Muda is being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. He officially never performed for them. You know, the only reason he's perform- he's going into their Hall of Fame is because he's a pro wrestling legend. He also happens to have wrestled in WCW, who 
you know, their intellectual property now owns the WWE. So I think it just comes down to how a fan perceives it. If it if if it's one of those things you're just like, yeah, that makes sense, then that's what makes it acceptable. And that's why, even though I personally don't agree with Cowboy going in, I'd have to be objective and go, but yeah, I can see why they would, you know. And um, <clears throat> as for the uh, the Vanway title pitch, I think it's kind of funny how there's this now, this little gimmick between Aljo and uh, Marab in that Marab will kind of play the bodyguard to Aljo while Aljo takes his money fights. You know, like Marab gets the contenders, Aljo gets the money fights, right? And so it kind of, there's the funny little gimmick going on there. And two, just on one last thing, um, Holly Holmes comments. Uh, listen, on its surface, what she said is perfectly fine, but it's entirely in bad faith because to make those proclamations that she did in 2023 rings a little hollow because it's like, okay, so if you've always felt that way, why haven't you said it more? And two, please specify. You know what I mean? Like, don't be the person that conveniently says this stuff and then gets really vague about it. And also, if you're that about, quote-unquote, protecting kids and stuff, then you should be about everything that puts kids in danger, you know? So, anyways, that'll be all for me today. Be kind of one another. See you guys later. Yeah, I think, look, to me, the UFC Hall of Fame, it's just like a fun thing. Like, it is what it is. I, I don't think it's anything we should even like take all that seriously. Sorny was a fan favorite. Everybody loved the guy. He wasn't like a bad fighter. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't a bad fighter. He's a good fighter. Never won a belt. But he's a fan favorite. Dude was he's a cowboy. So I it, it this is it's like I said, it's it's comparable to the WWE. Couple the WWE. There's people. There's wrestlers in the WWE Hall of Fame that. I mean, come on. Like Coco Beware. Not really a WWE Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? Like I love me some Coco Beware, but is he like one of the greatest of all time? No. Like he's probably not in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, but he meant something to the WWF or the WWE. That's why he's there, and that's why Cowboy's in there. Like, Stacey Keebler's going in the WWE, and as a fan of the Attitude Era and growing up in that time, loved watching Stacey Keebler on television. But is she, like, she's not going to be in a pro wrestling Hall of Fame, but she's in the WWE Hall of Fame. That's, like, that's what it is. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, but people, I mean, there were people, like, literally people, people arguing about this. And, like, who cares? Good for Cowboy. He ain't coming back to fight. He had a great. He had a good career. People liked him. He's gonna have a pretty cool Hall of Fame speech. That moment where he there was a very cool moment on Saturday. It was a very cool moment with the be, being surprised by it, getting all emotional. It was very cool. It was very very cool. But I don't think there's any need to really take this stuff too too seriously. Just acknowledge it, be happy, and next year we'll have a new crop. And there's no need to get like. I mean, there are people getting, like, negative. People are arguing about this. Like, I saw yesterday, people are arguing about this. It's just a cool thing. It's just a cool thing. When we have, like, an actual, 
MMA Hall of Fame, we can have these debates. But with the UFC Hall of Fame, like, who cares? It is what it is. It's not, it's not anything we should be taking too, too seriously. Uh, let's go to Just Simply Rob. Hey, Mike. Are you there? Good morning, my brother. How you doing? Mike, do you hear me? Good. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing well, my brother. Yep, I, I wonder. Appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, as always, Mike. Um, so I was watching the interview from last week, and I know Dana White kind of tripled down again. And I, I guess two parts to the question. The one question is, when Dana White presses the, the media, how come they don't answer questions back? Because he asked them specifically, he said, can anybody stand up here and tell me why they think Colby Covington deserves another shot at the title? So I want to respond to that. I want your perspective on it. I, uh, Colby Covington has lost already two title shots. He hasn't fought any top contenders. And he said specifically that this is the part that makes me laugh the most. He said, Leon Edwards sat out for two years. Um, Dana White, I don't know if you forgot, but the time that Leon Edwards was sitting out, he was already on a multiple fight win streak. And the only reason why he was sitting out for two years was because the Hamza Shemaev fight fell off. Colby Covington was sitting on the sidelines because he just wanted to sit on the sidelines. So I just wonder, again, first part of the question is, why do the media not talk back to Dana White? And number two, what are your thoughts on the statement that I just made there? Thanks again, Mike. Yeah, I mean, look, again, with the Colby thing, no one should be surprised by this. This should not be a surprising thing. I've been telling you, I told you guys for three weeks before UFC 286, if Leon Edwards wins, do not be surprised if Colby is in play. And that's why. Now, did I think Colby was going to be the backup fighter and create the stir that he did? No, but they love Colby. They love Colby. Dana White has said many times how much, like, he holds that first fight between Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington in such high regard. I don't think there's another fight over the last five years that Dana has mentioned specifically more than that one. I can't think of it. He talks about that fight all the time. And even said after. He even said uh, after UFC San Antonio that even if Kamara Usman won that fight, that Colby was probably still going to get the title shot. I don't know if that's true or not. He kind of doubled down on it and was like, but I don't have to answer that question right now because he didn't win. And he's not wrong about that. But this is not a surprise. This is not a surprise. But yeah, it is kind of funny when Dana tries to answer questions with his own question and it gets kind of stuttery. It's, 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 it's tough. It's tough because, like, you have to draw the line. Because, like, do you want Dana to just sit there and go on and on about – because he's, he's stubborn as hell. And I've talked about this before. I'm incredibly stubborn. I, I am very, very stubborn. The Bostonite in me and Dana comes from the same place. You got to be stubborn. That's part of our culture. That just is who we are. That's who we are. And if you feel like your feet are dug in – if you're, if you're digging your feet in, you're going to do everything you can to dig even deeper, even if you're wrong. We always said about my father. My father is the best dude on the planet, but he is the most stu- he's more stubborn than I am. He might be more stubborn than Dana White. But I always said about my father, Dad, we could, find, we could catch you on video doing something, and you would find a way to talk yourself out of it because you're that stubborn. Like if, you're, if you believe in something that much – no matter what evidence is against you, you will find a way to just be like, eh, that wasn't me. But it's clearly you. You're wearing a name tag that says Michael Heck Sr. 
No, nah, that was somebody else. That's how we are. So none of that should be, should none of that should be surprising. It's a weird thing at this point. Like with everything taken, and Dana says like he doesn't see the articles and stuff. He sees it all. He sees the reaction, and there's Dana's probably loving it right now. He's probably loving this. Seeing Colby get the attention, seeing Colby do the interviews. That was like not even part of like the scrum that I was 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 puzzled by. No one asked about Alex Perez, which I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't want to go down this road right now. New York Rick, welcome. Heck of a morning, Mike. I've got a multiple choice question for you. Sure. What is the most annoying slash infuriating thing in MMA? Is it the conversation around who deserves a title shot? A, B, who deserves a shot in the UFC Hall of Fame? C, who is the pound-for-pound king? D, who is the MMA GOAT? Uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. I actually don't care about any of those. Um, my question for you is, what's your level of interest in this weekend's uh, Game Bread Boxing 4 card? And um, if you're interested, which of those fights um, is drawing uh, the most interest from you as well? Hmm... I'm very interested. I just wish they did this on any other weekend. You know what I mean? Like I talk about pro wrestling on the show once in a while. I don't watch it as I don't watch it that much. I'm trying to get into it more because people ask about it and stuff like that. But like, I don't miss WrestleMania. Like, I don't care if if I didn't watch a single WWF second for an entire year. I watch WrestleMania every year. And now that it's two nights, like, it's cool. But to put this card on April 1st during WrestleMania, like, not even the UFC would do that. The UFC would not even do that. And they, they picked this date. And they picked just a weird-ass city to do it in. Milwaukee? What are we doing? What are we doing? I, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand why Milwaukee was the choice. When you could have gone to Florida and done it. Could have done... You, Anywhere down in this, like from South Car- from North Carolina to Georgia to Florida, anywhere in those four cities, like those four states, would have been perfect to host this event. Would have been perfect. Milwaukee proven time and time again over the last five to ten years that it is not a drawing city. Why do you think the UFC hasn't gone back there? It's so long. There's a reason for that. I don't know why they chose Milwaukee. Orlando would have been a great place to do it. Somewhere in Florida would have been a great place to do it. But they chose Milwaukee. And if you, if you look at the ticket sales, they're not doing very well. Um, could it be something that like, a lot of people just go and buy tickets at the door, looking for something to do? Nah, I'll, I'll just DVR WrestleMania and I'll watch it tomorrow or whatever. We'll just go to the fights. Sure. I am interested, though. Like... I heard about this idea um, before Mazadal had announced it with Ariel, uh, and I had heard some of the names that were on it, and I knew they weren't going to make the announcements officially official until they had all the bout agreements signed. Uh, I'm intrigued by it. I'm intrigued by it. Get some very notable MMA names to, for the most part, box 
other notable MMA names. Now, we don't get that in the main event with Roy Jones Jr. and Anthony Pettis, but for the most part, we're getting like Jose Aldo and Jeremy Stevens is super interesting. Joe Riggs, the great Joe Riggs is on this card. Like, if that's not selling this arena out after certain media members are asking Jake Paul about him, I mean, I don't know what will. But Joe Riggs is on this card. This is this is a massive deal. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I'm intrigued to see Roy Jones. It's Roy Jones Jr.'s final fight. Like, that's, that's cool. Jose Aldo in the boxing world. See how he does. Like, there, there's some good, interesting fights. Now, there's some filler. Like, even, like, the battle of the wins. Who will win between B-Win and um, Andy Wynn? The rematch there. There's rematches everywhere. Like, it's a cool concept. I just... The city threw me off. The date threw me off. I hope it goes well. It doesn't seem like it's going great. Like, just if you go to the website and you look at the ticket sales, the pay-per-view being $49.99 seems like a miss, if we're being honest. But I hope it goes well. I hope they do a million pay-per-view buys. They're not going to, but it, it be, I don't know. I like the concept. I think there's room for it. I just, I don't think the promotion has been great for it. The city, like I said, is not a. I just don't think Milwaukee was the place to host this card, and I think forty nine ninety nine is a little cray cray. But I am I'm rooting for him to do well. I I promise you. And I there's a part of me that's hoping that uh, I get the hot tag to cover that one because I will be working Saturday. There's a lot going on, obviously, with that card. Anthony Joshua. We got WrestleMania. We got lots of stuff going on. But um, if I get tagged in to to cover that one. I'm in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I thought it was also kind of weird that uh, that Mazadal's not even going to be there. But I get that too. He's got a, a massive fight the following week, which, again, kind of throws me off with the date and the location and all that. But I'm not a promoter. What can I say? But I'm rooting for him. I hope it goes well. Uh, let's go to double A. Double A. Hello. How you doing? Good. So I've got I've got um two for you. Um, what what does uh, the UFC do with uh, Michael Chiesa now that um Li Jing Liang has pulled out? Um, I heard that um Kevin Lee was approached with that fight and Michael turned it down. And um, what do you th- um? Thoughts on Valentina Shevchenko's comments about Jason Herzog's um, ref- refereeing in her fight with Alexa Grasso. That's all I've got. Everyone, take care of yourselves. Have a great day and peace. I mean, my my first thought hearing that was that Jed Mishu should file a grievance to try to appeal that so maybe he can get some of his money back. I don't know. I mean, with... I'd love to hear from Jason. I know Jason goes on social media and trolls a little bit, uh, which I completely respect i don't know i'd love to hear his side and maybe alexa's side of that but this is valentina doing valentina things i guess uh the, the the kevin lee thing is not true uh at least from what i've been told and if you go on twitter uh the great danny rubenstein the manager of michael chiesa will will tell you the same thing but i was told that that because like what 
what like what how is that a compelling how is that a compelling fight honestly like you got it as compelling as it possibly could be they these two dudes had a fight on stage essentially and michael chiesa ran kevin lee over and tapped him and kevin lee has not looked good fighting anybody as of late I just don't I, I, I just don't even know why the UFC would even entertain that fight. Honestly. I'm gonna pull up uh I'm gonna pull up Rubenstein's uh I don't know. I can't find it. But he basically said it's bullshit. All that's bullshit. So what tell what it tells me is that and you have to understand. Ali in dominance manages Lee Jing Liang. They now manage Kevin Lee. I think they probably said, hey, let's try to get this fight. They probably reached out to the UFC. This is what Rubenstein said. They probably reached out to the UFC and the UFC was like, no. No, we're not doing that. And then it probably went back to Kevin that, oh no, it got turned down. I, from what I am told, that fight was never offered to Michael Chiesa. Uh, in fact, Danny, Danny Rubenstein said in that tweet as well, uh, no names have been offered to Michael Chiesa at this point. The plan is, as I reported yesterday, the plan is they're trying to do something to keep him on the card, but we don't know if that's going to happen or not. But I know Kevin Lee has not been, was never a name that was presented to them. In fact, no names have been presented to them. I don't know how they do this. Like, I honestly don't know if there's a fight they can make that would be compelling enough to Chiesa to want to keep him on the card in less than two weeks notice. I would say maybe like a wonder boy, you know, if something happens with Mazadol or Burns, maybe he can slide in as, as a replacement there. So that's something you keep in mind, but I just don't know if there's anything that really jumps out at Kiesa. I, I don't know. D-Rod's booked. Lee Jing Liang's out. Ponzinibbio's on the card. Kevin Holland's on the card. Maybe wait and see what happens with one of those two guys. Randy Brown would be kind of interesting. He's coming off of a loss, though. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what kind of name they could put together. I don't know if Cass is just going to take anybody. We'll see what happens. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. CV, hello.
Stevie, hello. Yo, echo of the morning. Um, not really a question, but more of a comment observation. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Corey Sanhagen. Um, I just saw his uh, interview with Ariel last night, and um, I don't know. He seems he comes across as a very thoughtful and sort of cerebral guy. Uh, kind of reminds me of Dominic Cruz, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Shouts, shout out to Corey Sanhagen. Hundred percent. Just he's such an interesting guy. He's such an interesting guy. Big fan of him. He just approaches the sport like a professional athlete. And I dig that. But he's not like cookie cutter. He makes you think a little bit. He's the kind of guy that like you want to represent your sport. He's a, he's a great representative. To me, he reminds, he reminds me of Benson Henderson in a lot of ways. He's like Benson Henderson 2.0. Where he could take he could take a cliche and flip it on its ear and just make it sound so much cooler, but Sandhagen just goes a little bit deeper. He's like a more evolved professional Benson Henderson, which I I dig about Corey Sandhagen. He's like Ben Bendo and and Dominic Cruz, like the best pieces of analytics from both of them. How could you not like that guy? He's great. Uh, let's try to get Ani in here. Yo, yes. Against us regulars, as in like people like me talk and, you know, for some reason, Twitter was biased against us, just like Michael Bisping was biased. Nah, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so it's good to talk to you, Mike. Thank you for having me on. Um, so it's like i have a couple of thoughts from you know i've been saving them because i've been wanting to share them with you after you know ufc 286 you keep asking this question don't you as in why didn't dana white wait why did he just uh you know double down triple down or quadruple down whatever on colby covington i think they are laying the foundation for you know a long-term plan you see you see there's Jorge Masvidal versus uh, Gilbert Burns uh, happening. I think they are praying that Colby beats Leon Edwards and Masvidal beats Burns. And they want to use all the drama between Colby and Masvidal to set up a title fight between the two of them in Miami, Florida. Uh, so I think that would be, you know, in terms of money, that would be massive and i don't think i'd have a problem with masvidal getting a title shot if he runs through gilbert burns as in you know which i don't see happening but it is a competitive fight because you know one thing if you observe with gilbert burns is straight shots hurt him a lot like if you've noticed in his fight against kamar usman he was dropped by jabs again and again and although Kamsa Chimaev swung loads of hooks, it was just one jab that dropped him in the first round. And I think if Masvidal is, you know, as educated a striker he is, if he can capitalize on that, like, I think he has a shot at winning. It's not as one-sided as the odds makers make it seem. That's what I think. I think UFC is just praying for all the cards to fall in place. Um, yes. And one more thing, this is more of a, uh, you know, 
a genie type of matchmaking. I know this will not happen, but you know, UFC Mexico is, you know, we can see that it might happen. How good would it be if we had on the main card, opening the main card, Kane Velasquez versus Andre Arlovsky? Imagine how good that would have been. I mean, it won't happen, but it's always good to have, you know, these legends showcase, uh, you know, on important occasions. I think that would be amazing, don't you think? Um, yes, last but not the least, I just want to give a shout out to uh, New York Rick. I think he has amazing takes, uh, very well thought out responses. And I would love his uh, thoughts on my, you know, this little monologue as well. Glad to be back here, Mike. Seriously, I just hope Twitter doesn't act up again. Thank you. Yep, all the regulars have gotten through. Mikey got through earlier. Toke will be coming up soon. He was on the other day. So I think whatever issue that was got fixed. Um, I'm sure there's part of the UFC that, that hopes that happens, what you said. Um, but the weirdness of the timing of everything is that not only could you get the fight you want, you could get like multiple massive fights. You can get Mazadal Leon and then Mazadal Colby. Like you can get both of you have the chance to get both of those fights. So maybe they just don't have a lot of faith in Mazadal to win. So they just immediately jump to Colby. But I'm with you, and I've been saying this for a while. I think Mazadal has a much better chance of beating Gilbert Burns that people are giving him credit for. Am I gonna go out and pick him to win? I don't think I'm gonna go that far. But if I'm betting on this fight, seeing Mazadal at plus 350. I'm taking a look at it. I'm taking a gander. I'm taking a gander. Mazadal is the better striker here. There's no doubt about it. Burns has gotten a lot better, sure. But Mazadal is the better striker. Gilbert Burns is great on the ground. But the way Gilbert gets fights to the ground, Mazadal is actually very good defensively. And Burns is what, what Mazadal struggles with, and he's talked about this many times, and it's something he struggled with a lot throughout his entire career, is he struggles with guys who just chain wrestle over and over again, like Colby tried to do to him, like Leon, like Usman did in the first fight. Just takedown after takedown after takedown, shoot-style wrestling. That is not something that Burns does all that much. He's not a guy who's just going to shoot He's not a guy that's going to shoot 20 takedown attempts in a fight. He's going to put you up against the cage. He's going to try to trip you. He's going to try to get in close and try to take you down. Mazal is actually very underrated when it comes to that style of grappling from a defensive standpoint. Mazal isn't a great defensive wrestler, but Burns isn't really a big-time offensive wrestler who's going to shoot a bunch of takedowns, single-double, single-double, body lock, stuff like that. That's not how Burns gets fights to the ground. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe Burns will go in and, and do that and have like a Marab style, I'm just going to fire takedowns left and right. I don't know if he's going to do that. So I think the fight is closer than, than what it indicates. I don't know if Mazdal wins, but if Mazdal could, I mean, it seems obvious, but if Mazdal could keep this thing standing, he has a very good chance to win this fight. And I don't know if Burns is just going to try to shoot 15, 20 takedowns. So I think the fight is a, is a lot closer than the odds. It's, it's closer than the odds indicate. You want to throw Mazadal like a plus 225? 
plus 250, that's probably what I'd put it. But plus 350 seems a lot wider to me. That's how I see it. But I still think that fight has legs. Not as not as much because of the Colby stuff, but I still think that fight's pretty important. Toe Colo. So let's talk about another very convenient fight rumor for dominance MMA. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Umar Nurmagomedov and uh, and Mirab because that was according to a dominance MMA source um, in Aaron Ross' status tweet uh, that was apparently offered to Mirab, who then said that he was injured. But can you confirm that it that was ever even offered? Um, and yeah, yes, okay, it, it was. was okay. It, was. it just seems okay. So I will say this then. Um, Ali is has uh, some quick hands uh, in trying to get the matchups for his guys. Uh, I'll give him that credit uh, at the very least, but that fight makes no sense, and it would be a travesty if it if it was made because Murab does not need to fight fight Umar Nurmagomedov. It's Corey Sandhagen and Murab, and that's it. Umar needs to find someone else to fight. That's it, Mike. See ya. Like I said at the top of the show, Corey Sandhagen did Marab a favor because if that call doesn't happen in the way of which it did, Rob's fighting Umar Nurmagomedov. That's the fight. That's the fight he would have been offered and that's the fight he would have probably had to take. Unless he just wasn't going to fight at all. Yeah. There's, there's actually, there is actual smoke to that conversation. That's something we've been trying to work on for a while now, if we're being honest. So, yeah. But like I said, Corey did him a favor and there seemed to seems to be a little buzz for that fight. So that's where we're at right now. Um, where are we at? Uh, I think Kevin was next. We'll try to get to everybody. Kevin, hello. Hey, what's up, Mike? Heck of a morning. What's up, man? Me too. So first thing I want to say, first and foremost, is the way you handled uh, Colby Covington, and if this was mentioned, I'm sorry, but the way you handled Colby Covington for doing the John Anik freakout was very impressive, to say the least. I uh, That was really the, the main thing I noticed, that you uh, didn't really have much of a reaction. I thought that was awesome. Um and then the next thing I wanted to say, just seeing how the Corey, hand, uh, Corey Sanhagen and, and Vera fight went, uh, do, does that get you thinking that the rematch between O'Malley and Cheeto may not go, you know, kind of as people plan it may be? It may look a lot similar to uh, Vera versus Sanhagen. Um and then my only other question that I always like that I like to ask is who's your dark horse this year? You know, people, someone that maybe people aren't talking about a ton uh, that at the end of the year will be a champ. Thanks, Mike. Oof, that's a good question. That's a good question. I always seem to just go to Armand Sarukian in these types of situations just because he's been my pick for like five years now. So uh, I'll probably stick with that one. 
I feel like he's lost a little bit of steam because of the the Gamrot loss, and some people thought he struggled a little bit against against Ismagulov. He wasn't able to to really make strong moves in that fight, but that's I, I think Ismagulov is just a really really good fighter, and probably a guy that didn't get enough credit himself. So I'll probably go with Sarukian. Uh Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the the Cheeto O'Malley fight. Like I said, it's a back pocket fight, and they can go to that whenever they want. I'm Cheeto. I'm probably like if they offer him Yan and they can do something pretty quickly, that'd probably be a good fight for him to take. Otherwise, he might get the Umar fight. But maybe what he should do is just kind of chill. But I know that's not really in his being to just sit back and wait for things to happen. Because I think O'Malley's going to get the winner of Cejudo and Aljo, and I would not pick O'Malley in either of those fights. And then he can go to the Cheeto fight? I don't know. It's in an interesting place right now. And thank you on the, the other in the other comment about the Colby interview. JD, hello. Good, how are you? Dude, I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. First off, I just want to say uh, shout out not only to you, not only to the Exhibition King, my favorite Jed Mishu and the whole MMA fighting staff, but the community that y'all have made, dude, it's refreshing. It's wonderful. It may have a couple bad apples, but for the most part, everyone is amazing and wonderful. Um, first off, I want to say, what do you think is next for the Bonfim brothers? And then number two, um, I got a fun call out because uh, I haven't heard a hid pop in for a little bit of time. But uh, if you ever do a fan on fan BTL, I want to call out a hid. Let's do it, man. Uh, and since he won't do it, drop the mic, Mike. Damn, I love it. I love it. Good stuff. And I appreciate the kind words, as as does the rest of the squad. I'll tell the Exhibition King that as well. Love the positive vibes today. This is good stuff. Zeke. My man, Mike, how are we? Good. Long time no talk, but without fights going around, I got to get my uh, you know daily UFC live in the spaces, not just on the podcast. On this fantastic MMA fighting network, like JD was just mentioning. What a call out. Um, yeah, I'm going to be quick. I want to just kind of breeze through this next card because why not? Let's talk about Arnold Allen and Max Holloway. That fight should be a banger. I mean, especially if Max Holloway, you know, took all this time off, is cleansed and ready to go and possibly making a title run. In my opinion, that fight's going to be so awesome to watch. It should go full five rounds and we should have an exact read on what we think is next for Arnold Allen. My question to you is should Max Holloway be a favorite in that fight? Minus 150 to me is a bit egregious. I don't know. I just feel like Arnold Allen's been throwing hands recently. What do you think, Mike? Max, yeah, I'm not surprised that Max is the favorite. Minus 145, yeah, Max should be the favorite. It's a tough fight. Like I've been saying, like, I've come around a little bit more on the idea, but I was not a fan of this fight. I was not a fan of this fight. Mostly because Holloway has been has been the roadblock for a lot of these guys. And we're trying to get new contenders and get new this and get new that. 
I understand Holloway needs wants to compete and wants to fight Arnold and make that bag, and I, I respect him for it. I just didn't like this fight. I would rather Alan Taporia or Alan somebody else because if Max wins, then like you just killed off another contender for a while. Just featherweight is featherweight's bananas right now. It's a super deep division. It doesn't get enough credit in the lightweight bantamweight conversation in terms of like deep divisions. And featherweight's really deep. And Holloway's tough out for anybody. Like he's a tough out for anybody. So, yeah, I don't mind Holloway being the favorite here. It's about right. It's not a disrespectful line. Minus 145 plus 125. I think it'll probably get a little closer by the time we get to April 15th. But, yeah, I think the line's perfect, really. But I'm, I'm, it's a great fight on merit. On paper, it's freaking great. Just... I just don't want to live in a world where Max Holloway wins and we were like, oh, now now what are we going to do at 145? Because that's been the issue with this division for so long is that we don't have a guy that has just emerged as the guy. Like we've took us this long to get Yair Rodriguez at the head of the pack and now we have another chance with Arnold Allen and now he's fighting Max Holloway. So it's it's just tough. It's just tough. QP, hello. Yo, what's going Mike? What's up, man? Yeah, I, ain't, uh, I didn't tap in in a while. Well, not as a uh, as a speaker, but I've been listening for a minute. Um, my question was, does, you know, I always come on here talking about Aljo. You know, I always got to give him his because nobody ever gives him his props, his flowers. Does he have more of a chance? And I think it's going to be similar to the TJ Dillashaw thing where we we know the credentials. We know he has a better wrestling background, but the sheer size of Aljo is going to play a factor in the fight. And I don't think a lot of people are, are, are giving that any, 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 any energy like they should be. Like he's going to come in there looking like a 145 or against a 125 or a blown up 125. And I think when he gets a hold of him, it's going to look a lot different than what people expected to look. Um, can you give me any insight on that or tell me how you feel about that? Also, I agree with what, um, the last guy was saying about the community you guys created. I love coming here. I've brought people into the community and they love it too. They tell me the same way, like, damn, I'm glad you showed me this page. I'm glad you showed me these people. It's just like sports center for MMA fight for MMA fans. Like we just can come to you guys after and get, get insight from you. Good laughs, good vibes. Alex Kaylee is my favorite personally, but Mike, you know, you're my guy too, but can I get um your insight on, on the, uh, the Aljo fight? I can, and apparently, uh, there we go. Apparently, somebody's freaking alarm went off over and over again. I'm with you, man. Like that's that's a huge factor for me is is the size, and I didn't really take too much of that into account before he fought TJ. But it was almost one of those things where I mean, I know TJ had the one arm and stuff like that, but. When they had that final face-off before the fight started at UFC 280, I was just like, holy shit. Aljo is like two weight classes bigger than TJ Dillashaw right now. I was like, I read this. There was a part of me immediately, I was like, wow, I read this fight completely wrong. And I think that's going to be a huge factor in this fight. So Hudo seems very confident, as he should. I want to believe that Henry Cejudo is back for the right reasons. I really do. I want to believe it. And I want this fight to happen, and I want it all to be cool. 
I am sick of I'm sick of the build to this fight already. Like I really am. Because these two are just awful trash talkers. They're two of the worst. Um, I know that doesn't matter when the, the cage door locks, but they are both awful at this. They're both not good. And we're going to have another month of this plus, and it's going to be the worst. <laughs> it's going to be the worst. I just hope we're going to get press conferences with these two guys. It's going to be awful. It's going to be so bad. But then eventually they're going to fight. And I'm, in, I'm compelled by it. But yes, the size is going to be a huge factor. Uh, Aljo has actually gotten bigger, it looks like. It's going to be like 130-pounder fighting a lightweight. That's what it's going to look like. But Cejudo has been undersized in a lot of his fights, and he's found ways to win. And you can make a pretty compelling case right now that Aljamain Sterling is his toughest fight ever, and that includes Demetrius Johnson, just because of the size and because of the, the things he brings to the table. I don't think Aljo is as dangerous as a striker, obviously, as DJ is, but obviously Aljo being much bigger and heavier than DJ, I don't know. My, I'm picking Aljo, for, and that's a big part of why. Because I just don't know if Cejudo's going to be able to do what he, he usually does against a guy that much bigger than him. But we shall see. We shall see. All right, we got to take two more and then I got to go. So we got like five minutes. I'm trying to get four on Sniper in here. What's up, four on Sniper? Yep. Mike, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, sorry about that. I'm at work, and I'm in a different area than usual. Uh, so this past weekend, obviously, Corey Sanhagen dominated uh, Marlon Vera in the main event. I sort of predicted that. I've been saying all week that he's a terrible matchup for Marlon because he moves around too much. You know, he has too many tools, and I guess we found out he has some wrestling to add on to that. Um, just a straight-up yes or no question, because I know you'll give him a chance, but do you think Marlon Vera – will fight for interim gold or undisputed gold at any point? Or do you think this is basically the end of the road for him? Thanks, Mike. Oh man. It's I'm, I'm on, I'm literally on the fence with this one. I'm going to say yes, because you mentioned the interim. Because, like I said, the O'Malley fight's a back pocket fight. You have Aljo, who the UFC doesn't seem to have like a great relationship with. Henry Cejudo is such a wild card and does just not smart things with his career and his callouts and things he wants to do that make no sense a lot of times. So, could there be a world where the UFC just immediately pivots to like an O'Malley Vera like interim title fight? Sure. I'll say yes. I'm not as confident as I was a week ago at this time, but I still think I still think he's there. Marlon Vera's only 30. It's not like he's 38. He's got he ain't done. So the issues that he has, the slow starting, the lack of output, all that, that's things that he'll grow and learn upon. Uh and continue to evolve with his game, but yeah, we'll see. 
All right, Daniel, last caller, and then I got to go. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? What's up, man? Perfect. Uh, uh, hey, just wanted to keep it quick. Um, so, Nate the Train, I mean, this guy's obviously getting some steam, no, no pun intended. Um, just curious what you think a good matchup next for him would be. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing maybe Dan Ige, maybe like a JSP or something. Um, but just curious what you think a good matchup for him would be. And the only other uh, thing I wanted to ask is, right now, if you look at future champions, um, just like the betting odds and things for light heavyweight, I believe we have Magomed and Goliath at plus 100. We have Yuri at like plus 200 or plus 150. And then Jamal Hill at plus 275. Um, I just think that line's a little crazy. I think it's crazy that we're just already thinking that Jamal Hill's going to lose the belt. And and that and that's just as of January 2024. So, um, yeah, j- just curious who you think is next for Nate Landwehr and who do you think uh, would possibly just fight for the belt next against Jamal? Or do you think either of those guys have a better chance of getting it than him? Thanks, Mike. So, Jamal, though, I mean, they're going to try to do Yuri. If they can't do Yuri, they'll probably do Ankaliyev. I have no interest in that fight. None. Absolutely none. Um, and I don't think that one goes well for Jamal Hill, but I didn't think Glover Teixeira would go well for Jamal Hill, and he shut up everybody. So I think they're going to try. If, if Yuri could fight by, like, September, I think they're just going to wait, and I think they should, honestly. As far as Nate Landwehr goes, I like the Danny Gay idea. Um, I picked Sadiq Youssef just because – it would just be super fun to hear Sadiq Yusuf do an unprofessional breakdown on his own fight with a wild man like like Nate Landwehr. JSP's fun. Uh, he liked, I think he said Billy Q. If Billy Q beats Edson Barboza. So I like that one. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, literally, Nate Landwehr against anybody is a lot of fun. I dig it. But I went with, uh, with Sadiq Yusuf, which would be a fun fight too. All right, I got to go. That's why we started a little early because I got to get out of here. Very busy day of things I'm trying to put together from a production standpoint. Uh, So Viking, I see you. I apologize. Thursday, as soon as you jump on, you cut the entire line, my man. You cut the entire line. But appreciate you. Back Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do this again. And then we'll be back on Friday. We'll do it again and so forth and so on. You guys are the best. Appreciate you. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.